0: Let me begin by pointing out that uh, there are a few errors in Scripture passages this morning. (laughs) You know, God does God's best to inspire those writers, but sometimes, you know, nobody's perfect. But I'm here to right the wrongs. (laughs) First of all, in Psalm number 37, Do not fret yourself because of evildoers. Do not be jealous of those who do wrong. For they shall soon wither like the grass, and like the green grass, fade away. That's not true. (laughs) Um, You know, any cursory glance around you, any cursory look at a newspaper, any given day of the week, um, pretty much says the opposite of that. They are not withering like the grass. They are flourishing like trees and flowers in the springtime wickedness is all around us so um, that's the first error in the gospel or in the in the scripture texts today you're welcome <laughs> there are a few more again in a little while the wicked shall be no more you shall search out their place but they will not be there now I don't know what time span is meant by little while but it's got to be more than 6,000 years (laughs) because again it has not yet happened and I will talk about grander things and the evil that has happened throughout history but alongside that in case I forget let's remember that there is daily wickedness that we see and know and perceive and sometimes participate in. Um, Let's see if I can keep that in mind. Another little error in the scripture passages today. But the lowly shall possess the land, it says in verse 12 of Psalm 37. The lowly shall possess the land. They will delight in abundance of peace. I'm wondering if I blinked and missed that one. Uh, Doesn't happen too often. And um, not to just uh, pick on the Old Testament, let me look at the gospel text. Jesus said, I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I'm, I'm laughing and crying at the same time. I would never, I, 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 I hope I would at least carefully Advise someone who has been abused by someone else in their lives. uh, At least do it carefully and cautiously to ask them to pray for someone who has abused them. I would hope that I would have the presence of mind to carefully uh, go up to an African American person and say, you know, do good to those who hate you or to um, anyone, anyone really who has felt the sting of hatred or oppression. And I count all of us in here. You know there are some people who don't like us for who we are, for who you are, Um, but you know, do good to them and love your enemies. Um, I won't call that an error in scripture. I'll just call it a bit of a fantasy. Um, And I know I'm being a little sarcastic, um, but it's hard not to be. If you love those, well, let's wait on that one. So here's the thing: I've been a little grumpy, (laughs) in case you didn't notice. And I'm going to tell you some of the reasons why. Um, I commute from San Mateo here to Los Gatos uh, six days a week, 45 minutes each way. And that's a lot, but I have been blessed with that time uh, because I've gotten to listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks, And so I'm kind of getting learning as I go. And uh, the last audiobook that I heard uh, was called The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And it is a book that came out last year. It was a bestseller. don't know if you heard about it. But it's basically the true story of a love affair that miraculously survived three years in that concentration camp. Um, So even though those two protagonists, they survive and they actually live into the 21st century and have their own sort of happy ending despite all that. Regardless of that story, there are just gruesome details of life in the camps that are horrifying to hear. And I will spare you those details, but I will say that enough of them are portrayed in this audiobook that sometimes I had to pause it while driving just to take a break from the incomprehensible evil and the casual murder described. And I know the Holocaust is an extreme example. We're actually cautioned in seminary not to bring it up in sermons. But there I was listening to it as an audiobook recently, and it, you know, made you think there's evil in the world. You know, that's historical, but we know it's not unique. I mean, it's unique, but it happens in various forms. So prior to that audiobook, I heard an audiobook called The Line Becomes a River and that is a memoir of a young man who spent four years as a border patrol agent in Texas and Arizona. Also came out last year. Now the book was actually a revelation to me because it humanized a group of men and women that I am usually quite happy to demonize. Um, The camaraderie and compassion on the part of some of these border patrol agents among themselves, but also for the people that they capture this sometime, was sometimes heartening. Um, the author also depicted the humanity of some of the people he meets who are entering illegally, even telling a few stories about how they share some of their food with him that they have brought from home and it makes him remember his own Latino background. And by the way, fun fact, I believe at least 50% of border patrol agents are of Hispanic uh, origin or descent. So you get to see both sides, you get to see compassion you get a little bit of revelation about people you might just want to dismiss out out of hand. Uh, However, the author does take a few chapters to illustrate the ruthless evil that drug cartels south of the border inflict on helpless victims, how they bribe and threaten police officers and government officials into allowing their drug trade to flourish, and how some of those officials happily accept that money. So the author suggests that for every mass grave of bodies that have been found thus far in Mexico and Central America, 10 more remain undiscovered. Sorry to be a downer this morning. So in between those two audiobooks, I watched the DVD of the movie Black Klansmen, up for an Oscar tomorrow, tonight actually. Anybody see Black Klansmen? Okay, two people, Good. It is another true story, this time about a black police officer in Colorado Springs in the 1970s who, it's kind of hard to explain, but he astonishingly infiltrates a local Ku Klux Klan affiliate and exposes a plot to bomb and kill innocent victims. It is directed by Spike Lee, an outspoken black director. And the intensity of the obviously racist, sexist, and anti-Semitic comments in the film, it's so over the top that I actually kind of found myself laughing at the absurdity of what was being said by these people until I realized that probably none of it is exaggerated and probably all of it is still with us. There are people in rooms across this country right now spewing those same words. So all of that is to say, if any of you have any Disney movies or cheerful audiobooks that you can lend to me, <laughs> um, please bring them forward. <laughs> I could use a break. I don't know why I'm on this tear, but those are the books that have uh, spoken to me recently. Uh, so that, and also, I'm sort of building my argument for, you know, how can these scripture passages say these things? The wicked will be no longer in a little while. The, the lowly and the innocent will possess the land. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. <sighs> and I don't know how to get out of that for you today. So <laughs> I will say this, though. Um, I am not perfect. I am not perfect. I am someone who I will just kind of put it out there. I, I hold grudges. That's kind of one of my little dents in my knight and shining armoredom. Uh I hold grudges, and when I feel someone has really disrespected me, I, it's years, and I still haven't done it. And I don't feel good about that, but I'm telling you that because um, I suppose that if we're going to forgive our enemies, uh, maybe I'm sometimes on the side that needs forgiving. Um, And I'm thinking that some of you might in your life know someone that you hold a grudge against or that you have yet to forgive that you're angry at right now, maybe me. Um, Or you might realize or understand that you are in need of forgiveness by someone else. Someone's holding a grudge against you. And so there is an equation there that we fall on either side of sometimes. And um, to talk about the world is evil and overwhelmed by evil is to give up. Um, And God doesn't give up on us. And I think that's maybe the clue to uh, finding a way out of these passages. Let me read you a few others uh, that we've heard today. I'm going to start with the collect. Of the morning, but I'm going to read it in right one in the old school language because it says it a little differently. O Lord, who has taught us that all our doings without charity are nothing worth, send thy Holy Ghost and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the very bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whosoever liveth, Is counted dead before thee. We used love instead of charity this morning. Charity means to hold someone dear, to have real affection and love for someone. And that's what we're called to do. It's hard to do. But if we don't do it, we're counted as dead. We're not truly living. And that's hard. And I'm not convinced in a way. that that's the case. But I've been thinking about this, and this is the third time I'm preaching this, and each sermon has been wildly different. If you see an 8 (coughs) o'clocker, pat him on the shoulder and say, it's going to be all right, because I think I left them a a little down. Um, I think we have three choices. I think we can choose to hear these readings and not meet them with the brutal honesty that maybe we should and say, well, it's going to work out somehow in the end. Or, yeah, I don't. Those don't make love your enemies. Ah, yeah, that's nice. I'll just move on with my day. And that's, you know, that's what we do. And the second way to meet them is to say they are completely wrong. There is no way you are going to talk me into believing that there is good that will ultimately triumph when all I see day after day is evil in my everyday life and work and in the world around me. I have a friend who uh, was a sheriff. This is years ago, and he told me how being a sheriff for the many years he uh, was in San Francisco um, kind of ruined him. Kind of ruined him. He had he had a, a pretty good outlook on people, but after after basically eighty percent of the people he met every day having not all of them, right, but having kind of a, a wickedness at hand ready to inflict. Um, brought him down and, and made him not believe in human beings anymore, and um, I was sorry for that, but um, so you can do that. You can say, you know the world is wicked, and i 'm just going to make my way through it as best I can and protect those i love and then there 's the middle way, the third way that I think is about complexity. We live with complexity um, it 's not all peaches and cream um, it 's not all wicked. There are border patrol agents with compassion. There are, I'm going to tell you a story uh, about a survivor of Auschwitz in a moment. and um, It's not as simple and polarized as we seem to need to make it as human beings in our culture. If you don't agree with me, you are wrong. There is no nuance. And that just isn't true. And I think another uh, story that we heard this morning talks about this as well. Joseph... Uh, At the point in Genesis that we heard from today, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was sent to Egypt and imprisoned. He made his way out, um, correctly uh, interpreted a vision of Pharaoh's about famine and things were good. These brothers come thinking he's dead and he reveals himself today to them. I am Joseph and they cannot talk to him because they are so filled with, oh boy, are we in for it for what we did to him. And lo and behold, he says, you know, it's not your fault. God must have sent me to do this, to preserve life. If I hadn't come and interpreted that vision, Pharaoh wouldn't have known about famine and stored up for seven years so that when famine came, we'd have enough. So you did the work of God by selling me into slavery, oddly enough. And he kisses them and weeps over them, and only then do they know that they are forgiven. And a burden is lifted from their souls. If any of you have ever truly forgiven someone that you've held a grudge against, I think you know what I mean about a burden being lifted from your soul. Um, There's that old phrase about, um, what is it? Resentment or not forgiving someone is um, is like wanting to poison them but taking the poison yourself and expecting them to die. So it's really you, you're keeping imprisoned. So that's a message in the in the in the passage from Genesis. I will read you one other from Luke, and it really stuck out to me. Um, God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. How's that? God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked, and the very next sentence says, "Be merciful." Just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful to the ungrateful. Be merciful to the wicked. Be kind to the unkind. Again, I want to say, that's another error. <laughs> um, but, you know, on Good Friday, we hear Jesus say, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. As he's on the cross and forgiving those people who are murdering him. Um, And whenever I hear that in the past and probably in the future, I think, wow, Jesus was intense that he could do that. But he wasn't just doing that to tell us how intense he was. He was doing that to tell us what we're called to do. I don't like it. (laughs) Um, um, But knowing your lives, that that's what we're called to do. It's hard. Do your best. Please don't become like I have been sometimes recently. The world is evil and wicked and there's no redeeming it. Please don't do the simple thing of, well, God's going to make it all right in the end, so I'm just going to listen to these passages and let them wash over me and be done with them. There is something there for us to grapple with. Life is complex, and we are called as Christians to not just sit around and be passive. We are called to be good in the world and be God's grace and mercy in the world, even though it sometimes sucks. And I know some of you have hard jobs where you encounter people who are not good people. Um, If you're not going to be good to them, who is around them? Who is going to be nice to the wicked? Even sinners are good to those who are good to them. You know, even sinners love those who love them. Uh, The trick is to love and be good to those who don't love you. That's not to say I'm about to go and ask the African American population of this country to say I love everyone. You know, the woman who's lost her son to a police killing, Um, I love police officers. The police officer who has suffered at the hands of, of, of criminals and lives in fear of violence every day, that I love all people who commit crimes. You know, it's a hard world, and we have to meet it with courage. Sometimes we're not up for it. I don't recommend hearing audiobooks that bum you out three in a row or two in a row. I recommend a Disney movie every once in a while. Um, and I recommend um, Jesus as an example. So that was not an easy sermon for me to give because um, I don't like to say things from the pulpit that I cannot believe or follow through with. And these are hard. Love your enemies. Have I forgotten something? Thank you. Very good. You've been listening, Joe Greiner. So, when I was trying to uh, prepare this sermon last night, I, uh, I did a thing I do when I'm in desperate straits. I went to Google. I typed Jews Holocaust forgiveness and something came up it's a video that went viral and i want to tell you this story and i don't you know it's, it's a little extreme but huh, you know it's maybe what we're called to do so there was a woman her name is eva moses Kor, and she was when she was a child what was called uh, a Mengele twin uh, dr joseph Mengele was a nazi in auschwitz who committed these atrocious experiments on people and one of the experiments he did was they took all the twins that were captured and brought to that camp set them aside and performed experiments on you know the two of them but different ones just to see what the effects would be all in the name of science of course um so eva and her sister miriam the only surviving members uh, of their family were put through these torturous experiments and um, she doesn't go into a lot of detail, happily in the in the video, but um, they both came out of it. They both survived. Thankfully, they were put in the camps just like eight months before they were liberated. Uh, but her sister Miriam, you know, they both got married. Miriam had three kids, but after the third kid, some of the stuff that was done to her in the camps caught up with her, and she died, you know, as a result of those those injuries and chemicals. And so Ava lived for many many years with hatred. Then she heard about a Nazi doctor who uh, she, she read an article, he was, he was talking about how much guilt and, and horrified shame he had for what he had done to participate in those experiments and how he tried very little things here and there to mitigate, um, mitigate his participation and, and what happened uh, when he was present. And he says he had nightmares every night about the camps and did not know how to forgive himself. And she saw that and she got in touch with him. And they started a little bit of a correspondence. And the thought came to her you know, I wonder how it would be for my heart if I could forgive this man who has this um, repentance that he's expressing. And so it took her four months, but she wrote a letter. And basically, it was kind of a form letter, it was a very kind of official, almost document. Where she said, I, Ava Moses Kor, forgive you, Dr. Munk, for the experiments you participated in at Auschwitz, including experiments on me and my sister. Um, I do this with a with a clear mind and a full heart, knowing that I speak only for myself. So um, she sent that to him, but as she was doing that, she had a friend help her with the translation, and the friend said, now, I hate to say it, but it sounds like what you're trying to do is get forgiveness uh, or forgive Mengele himself. you kind of, you know, that, that kind of keeps jumping out at me. And she said, I could never do that. So the friend said, why don't you picture him in a room with you and talk to him and see. Now, he's long dead at this point. And he, by the way, got to live a good 30 years after uh, World War II in South America. Uh, so she uh, pictures him in the room, says about 20 swear words at him. Uh, looks them up so she knows them in German, and and then starts saying, you know what, angel of death of Auschwitz, you're not going to have any power over me anymore. I forgive you, because I'm done. That's enough. You had 50 years of my life, plus the 10 years before that, and I have this one thing that I can hold power even over the angel of death with, the ability to forgive and let go. And she did it, and she said, boy, I weighed 20 pounds lighter, basically, after that. And I couldn't do it, I don't know. And she was vilified you know, by a lot of other survivors. You do not speak for us, you cannot do that, that is disgusting and shameful. But she did it and she said for the first time in 50 years she felt like herself, she had her life back. And so that's an example, it's a hard one. I couldn't do it, but it really happened. And she goes around talking about it. So you can't pretend it's not possible. Um, so all of us have it in us maybe to do such forgiving and ask for such forgiveness and, you know, love our enemies, for goodness sake, as ridiculous as that sounds, and maybe even think that someday the wicked will wither like the grass and that the innocent will live in peace and abundance in the land. And until then, we live in the complexity and we live with the hope that God hears our cries and our prayers and that God knows that love and charity are the most important things in life. May we come to know that as well this day and onwards. Amen.